T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Live. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam for Yannier Molina. With special reports from Cardinals Camp and the T.R. Hughes Homes Broadcast Center, this is Sports Open Line on KMOX. All right, so let's get into this fifth spot in the rotation thing for a few minutes here. The and I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up some of the things that I got on on the Twitter, and I know that the Twitter is only. Uh, well, it's not always very useful for gauging people's reactions to things. But the other day, uh, on Wednesday, uh, Oliver Marmel announced that that Jordan Hicks would be the Cardinals' fifth starter, and I tweeted that out. And immediately, the reactions were well, kind of ridiculous, to be honest with you. I'm not sure I understand why this idea is is received so terribly because. Every response that I got that that was negative or didn't like it came down to a poor assumption as to how this was actually going to work. So, he, yes, he, he's been named the fifth starter, but it he's not going to be used the same way that Adam Wainwright is going to be used. He's not going to be used to go throw it as Mo put it like we're not going to ask him to throw a hundred pitches here. Here's the way that it looks. And, and what's funny is a lot of the reaction that I got were, was of course, as, as you would think every criticism of the Cardinals comes down to spending money. Well, they should have just spent on somebody. Well, they didn't. And you know, the way that I put it, with a couple, I had a couple of people that I had, a, I shouldn't say a couple, I had a lot of reaction on it. And I, my, my response was, I don't know why this is surprising. The team has talked about this the last two off seasons for both Hicks and Reyes. He was using the spring to build up to work multiple innings. But it was never with the idea that he would be a traditional or that Reyes would be a traditional starter, at least initially. So we learned a couple of things about this over the last couple of days. Um, had a chance to bring it up with both uh, Michael Gersh and John Moselock yesterday uh, from our Kegs and Eggs broadcast. And their descriptions were pretty simple. And I'm going to paraphrase it. But it's pretty simple. And it's this. He's going to come in and start the game. And they'll evaluate it inning by inning. It's not what you would think of technically as an opener, which is a guy that comes in pitches to the top of the order, and then comes out of the game. 
the the ideal world here would be the guy does get a chance to throw maybe three innings, or maybe the idea is one full time through the order, you know, if things are going well. But uh, but as Mo pointed out in detail when we were talking to him yesterday, they're going to be monitoring the 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 heavy workload innings. They're going to be monitoring the the tough innings. So if the pitch count gets up there, let's say Hicks has a thirty pitch first inning, he's probably not going back out there. If he goes out and has a 15-pitch first inning, probably is going to go back out there. And then you assess it again. Those heavy workload innings are the problem that you want to stay away from for a guy like Hicks. And the other benefit that they describe to this is giving him a routine, right? So if this goes as planned, and I, I'm not I'm not even trying to convince you that it will. I have no idea. I don't love the idea of an opener as a game plan, but I like the idea of being creative however you need to be when you're dealing with covering for injuries, which is what this is. This is covering Jack Flaherty's injury until he can come back, or at least for the time being. And when you think about the concept of of what an opener has been, the opener is used for two real kind of two kind of purposes, right? It's either a left-right split thing, right? So you use an opener that's left-handed. The idea is that you hope that the top of the order for the other team goes the opposite. They go right-handed. And then after an inning, you bring in a righty, and now they've got their lineup all jumbled up. This is not really that. This is, all right, this is a leverage pitcher. This is a guy that throws 100-plus miles an hour with movement, and when he executes his slider, his slider is a really good pitch. So you're taking a guy that you would trust in the seventh, eighth, or ninth inning, and you're using him in the first or second inning, maybe eventually the third inning, against the best hitters in their order. So you're putting your best guy, one of your most talented guys, against their best guys right out of the gate with the idea that you hold him in there, you score a couple runs, and now you can kind of play matchups the rest of the way because you have, you know, in, in today's game right now, you've got 10 bullpen arms. Every team that wanted it has 15 pitchers, 10 bullpen arms. So it gives you the chance to do some strategic things. But the other part of it is they're hoping this will help keep Jordan Hicks healthy initially. When you think about what it's like to be a relief pitcher, Relief pitcher's life can be chaotic. Okay, we need you to be ready in two batters. Go. We need you to be ready in one batter. Go. Get ready. Hey, we need you today, and look, we might need you tomorrow. And then maybe we need you three out of four days. And it can be chaotic. And it's, you know, every time you get up to get hot, you're you're putting work on your body. You're putting work on your arm. And this is a player that's had arm problems. So maybe you get more out of him using him for two or three innings on one day as opposed to two or three outings during the course of a week or during the course of a five-day stretch, right? Because really, you know, he's going to pitch every fifth day, not necessarily once a week. So you're probably going to get at least the same number of innings out of him You're getting them at the beginning instead of at the end, but you're controlling the workload. You're controlling 
the ability for him to come out there and warm up properly, not have to do the quick get up and get hot thing, not get up and get down and get up and get down and then come into the game. And by the way, the other part, and I think Mo mentioned, it might have been Michael Gersh, I can't remember. One of them, I think, mentioned this yesterday. That it also, when you're, when, he's, when you're working in a setting like that, where you're starting every fifth day, even if it's just two innings at a time, you can also throw bullpen sessions in between. That's not something that a reliever can typically do because you might be needed that day or the next day. So if you're working as a traditional reliever, getting a bullpen session in to maintain your mechanics, to, to fix a problem if there is one at some point, is damn near impossible because now you're taking a piece out of the bullpen for that day. And, you know, maybe some days that can work. Lots of other days it can't. But if he's in there as the starter, he can be in that routine. You got a regular warm-up routine. You're getting yourself ready the way that you want to, throwing the number of pitches that you want to with the intensity that you want to. And you're also having that opportunity for midweek throws where you can throw a bullpen session you know, two days after you pitch and two days before you pitch again. It gives you the opportunity to do that. And I think what they're hoping is that, yes, this will give them a competitive advantage in that you have a really good pitcher out there in the beginning, and then you can play matchups after that with all the arms you have, but also hopefully getting him off to a healthier start and helping him maintain his mechanics and his consistency by being able to do the side work that goes along with being a starting pitcher. Now, could it end up being something that down the down the road later in the year that he ends up being able to go four or five innings? Well, sure, you can build up to that, but that's not what's going to happen now. They're not going to be out there and say, okay, Jordan, go get us five innings. It's not going to happen. And what's funny to me is that when the Cardinals do it, and they're doing it as a response to an injury, not because it was their plan all along. When the Cardinals do it, it's all because they're cheap and they wouldn't go sign another starter. Because, you know, everybody spends an extra 15 or $20 million a year on a sixth starter when you've got five other starters already under contract. But when the Rays do it, oh, look how smart Tampa is. Look at how much they make out of the resources they have. Look at them. They, they're innovators. So when the Rays do it, it's smart and innovative. But when the Cardinals do it, it's cheap. I mean, come on, try to be like, try to put the pieces together here and say, okay, this is one plan that may or may not last. I mean, we might find out after a, a game or two that, all right, this is not a good idea, but it's a response to an injury when you don't necessarily have a better choice. Now, maybe it works out great. Maybe he goes out there and he gives you a couple really good innings. And then you can say, all right, where are we in the game? Are we ahead? Are we behind? If we're behind, all right, let's see if, if Verhagen and Brooks can eat some innings for us. If we're ahead, ah, maybe we do play the matchups a little bit. Or maybe we're like, hey, maybe one of those guys or Jake Woodford can actually give us four or five innings in relief. Because now we have a lead and they can go out there and, and eat those innings. So I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to advocate for it as a great idea. But there weren't any other ideas at this point to replace Flaherty that are going to make you all happy. And everybody's like, you should have traded for Manaya. <laughs> okay, 
They didn't. If you want to constantly complain about things that a team has not done, all right. But let's talk about what the options are in real time at the moment and then maybe see where they go. You know, the other thing that kind of makes me chuckle occasionally, and I'm going to close on this, this part of the, I'm not closing the show early, just closing this part of the conversation, is that when the Cardinals have gone into free agency and spent a bunch of money on guys, hasn't really worked. Has it? How'd it go with Dexter Fowler or Andrew Miller or Greg Holland or Brett Cecil? They've been much better at acquiring big talent via trade, right? Marcelo Zuna, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado. And they've been much better, much more success at the lower end purchases. Miles Michaelis, as an example. Get somebody that has some upside, get him in on a pretty good bargain, and then see what you got. They've been better at that. So maybe stick to what you're good at. There is a time and a place where you have to spend money. And if and if you on on proven players, right? On proven guys. And I, I will I will fully understand and back anybody whose position is I wish they would have signed Marcus Stroman instead of Steven Matz. Okay. Fine. But where's the reporting that says Stroman preferred the Cardinals to the Cubs? You don't know what the players want. You don't know what they asked. You don't know if they were like, mm, I got better things I like, teams, I like, places I like better. You have no idea. But I do know this, and this is the part that's ultimately fair. This team sets the expectation that they want to be in the playoffs every year. The manager has already said multiple times this spring, the job is to win the World Series. And that's the, that's the standard that they're going to be judged on. That's going to be, guys, what keeps 3 million fans coming through the gates. I see this all the time. Like, well, they can do this because of 3 million. Guys, the only reason they draw 3 million a year is because they've been good forever. It's not a chicken or the egg. You got to be good first to draw. You don't have the draw and then be like, well, we'll be just good enough. Okay, so I wanted to cover the, the Hicks thing because I, I don't know if it's good. I really don't. It's kind of like the managerial change. I don't know if it's good. But it's not automatically a ridiculous thing either because you have to understand how it's going to work. On that note, I'm going to ask a question next up. Why is it so hard to not panic early in a baseball season? Why is it hard to just be calm? You know, you're going to lose games in June. You're going to lose games in July. If your team gets off to a bad start or if a player gets off to a bad start, why is it so hard to not panic? And I mean for fans. We get into it next up on KMOX. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. All right, so I asked the question before the break, and I want to get into it a little bit because there's some. This is a really a question, a little bit about psychology. Like, why is it difficult early on, especially in a baseball season? You know, it's difficult in in other sports too, but especially baseball when you know you're playing 162 games over six months. Why is it so difficult to avoid overreactions? Why is it so difficult to stay away from panic? And I I get it, you know, and like it, it's all about perspective, right? If you're standing close to something big, let's say a Clydesdale, you're like, wow, that thing is huge. And if you're looking at it from, let's say a tall building, 20, 30 stories up, you're like, wow, that's a little horse. Like perspective is everything, right? Well, early in the year, you don't really have any context. You don't have any perspective. And, you know, coaches and managers have talked about this. Hitting coaches talk about this a lot. And hitters have talked about this a lot, right, early in the year. Like, if you start the year 0 for 12, 0 for 15 or whatever, oh, is it tough to look up there and see the zeros next to your batting average. You step into the plate, you peek up at the scoreboard, 0, 0, 0. And you're like, oh, man. Now, when you go 0 for 12 or 0 for 15 in the middle of a week in June and your average goes from 271 to 268, nobody cares and you don't care. It's routine. It's understood. It's accepted. You know you're going to have 0 for 12s. You know you're going to stink sometimes. But when you stink right out of the gate, you don't have anything good to offset it. And it's the same thing with like good thing. A good example is as a relief pitcher, right? Relief pitcher goes out here early in the season and gives up a five spot in one inning. You know how long it takes him to get that ERA back down? I mean, first of all, you would need just four shutout appearances in a row, four shutout innings in a row after that outing just to get your ERA to 9.00. To get it down to four and a half, you would need nine more shutout innings to get it to there. Like, it takes a long time. It's kind of like a, I'll use an analogy outside of sports. It's kind of like gas prices, right? Go up like a rocket, come down like a feather, <laughs> right? It goes up real fast. Oh no, there's a problem. Oh, the problem's okay. So let's slowly bring it back down. It's kind of how the numbers work for, for a relief pitcher. You have one blow up, there's your rocket, and it takes you 10 outings to balance it out. 
10 clean outings at least, depending on how bad the blow-up is. And that's kind of what it's like at the in the early part of the season. We haven't seen a five-game winning streak. You don't have a an eight and four record, you know, or something along the lines to offset a bad performance. When bad is all you have, it's the only taste in your mouth. You tend to maybe overreact. But what I, what what I don't get is why are we not smart and or sophisticated enough at this time in history? or at this age in our lives, to not do it. To be like, oh, I know what's happening here. It's just because I haven't seen the good stuff yet. So I'm not going to overreact. And by the way, this is exactly how I process all of these things early in any season. Somebody has a crappy game or a crappy outing, doesn't make me go. And I had a friend. I mean, he's not listening. Even if he were, I'd tell him. His, His name is Kevin also. Like, hey, Kevin, listen, buddy. You can't tell anything from one game. He was already giving me analysis of a starting pitcher who didn't pitch well today from one game. He looks tentative. He doesn't look like he's trusting his fastball. It's the first game. Maybe that's true, but it might just be it's his first game and he stunk. And maybe he's good for his next five, or maybe he stays terrible. Who knows? And I know it's hard not to fill in the blanks, right? I mean, we, we are people, as, as human beings, we like to fill in the blanks. We don't like those empty spaces. We don't like voids of information. So we fill them in on our own based on the information that is currently available. Kind of like uh, Jurassic Park, right? Oh, I got a lot of analogies today. It's kind of like Jurassic Park, though, like, well, we don't know what this sequence of DNA really is for the dinosaurs. Let's put frog DNA in there. How'd that, how'd that go? Was that a good thing? You guys remember? Spoiler alert. The frog DNA kind of allowed for them to, like some frogs can start to reproduce and change sex, even though they're fully grown so they can reproduce. That's what happened with the dinosaurs. Anyway. I think we all understand that's how we work, but I also, by knowing that, we can fight it. We can decide not to do it, and I know it's not especially hard because I'm not especially bright, and I can do it. It's just it's 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 like a lot of things. It's 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 your is your mindset coming in your your preparation, right? I'm like a starting pitcher. It's about my mindset and preparation, but really, it is like okay, I know. I know there's nothing that I can really draw from the first handful of games of the year. Guys that are going to be terrible are going to have good starts. Guys that are going to be really good are going to have terrible starts. We move past it. I'm not sure why that becomes difficult. All right, so coming up in the next segment, what I'm going to do is I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to be a little bit mean. I mean, well, I'm going to be more than a little bit. I'm going to be mean to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Not to their players, though. Not to the manager, not to the coaching staff. Look, when you're a player and you've got a job to do, you go do your job and you compete. You're a, these guys are major league players for the most part. But what's happening with their ownership is it, it's not criminal, but it feels like it should be. Because they're taking all this revenue and they're just shoving it into their pockets. And by the way... I want to contrast that with what we've seen from the Cardinals during all of this time. You'll see what I mean when we come back on KMOX.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam for Yannier Molina. With special reports from Cardinals Camp and the T.R. Hughes Homes Broadcast Center, this is Sports Open Line on KMOX. All right, so I'm going to do this segment, and I'm going to I'm gonna try not to be super mean to the Pirates. I, no, I, you know what? I, I, I'm not going to try. I will not be insulting the players, the coaching staff, anything like that. Um, I am talking going to talk a bit about ownership there, though, because... When you look at Pittsburgh, there's no reason why the Pirates couldn't be something closer to the Cardinals, historically speaking. When you look at the metropolitan areas, Cardinals, St. Louis is 21st, not the city, the metropolitan area. So the Metro East, St. Charles County, surrounding counties. They're 21st in the country. Pittsburgh is 27th. There isn't a huge difference in terms of the metropolitan areas that you have. Which means you have the same access to the same numbers of people that could come to your games. Now, I do think the Cardinals have a bit of an advantage over Pittsburgh in the sense that geographically speaking, Pittsburgh's got Philadelphia not too far down the road. Cleveland and Cincinnati are not too far down the road. So they may not have the ability to have the regional following that the Cardinals do when you've got, you know, parts of Iowa, Illinois, Arkansas, you know, even deeper into the South than that, Mississippi and, and Alabama, like a lot of, a lot of Cardinals fans in those areas because of KMOX and because, you know, for a long period of time, the radio was your connection to the sport. So I'm not saying that Pittsburgh could be St. Louis, but they could be more like St. Louis. And when you look at, the year-by-year results over time. It isn't about market size. It isn't about built-in advantage. Oh, the Cardinals have an advantage. Their advantage is they draw three, three and a half million fans every year. Right? I mean, like, that's the advantage. Well, why is that? Why do that? You know, because... The Cardinals did not always do that. Now, they've always drawn well when they're good. You know, in the 80s, they drew really well. You know, I think the first 3 million, first year they had 3 million in attendance was 89. No, sorry, it was 87. 87. But what, what the Cardinals have working in their favor is that they're good all the time. You know, we go back to, I don't know, how far how far back should we go? Let's go back 30 years because that'll allow us to go back to the last time that the Pirates were actually good before they had their little run in, in uh, 13, 14, and 15. They had a three-year run where they were really good, and they never went all in. They never made the move to make their fans believe that they could do it for real. And by the way, 
they drew in those years. They were getting to two and a half million fans. But the problem is if you do it for three years and then shut it off, well, the fans are going to shut you off. So let's compare the last 30 seasons. We'll go back to 1992. Now, you know what? I'll go even further. Let's go back to 1990 because I want to include all of the Pirates' good run with Barry Bonds and all those guys, the Jim Leland years. Since 1992, you want to take a guess how many winning seasons the Pirates have had? You want to guess? You don't have to because I'm going to tell you. Four. Four winning seasons. Since 1992. Now, if you look at their team historically, they had a lot of years where they were good. They were really good in in throughout most of the 70s. The Pirates were awesome. And and, And obviously, you know, relative to their era, they drew at that time. But they've gone, since 1992, you've gotten four winning seasons. So let's take a look at the Cardinals since 1992. I'm going to go the opposite direction. How many losing seasons do you think the Cardinals have had since 1992? Well, let's count them because there aren't that many. 1994, 1995, 1997, 1999. So we're at four right there, right? And then 2007. So if you look at these two teams and you want to know why they are flipped the way that they are, Look at the last 30 years. Pittsburgh has four winning seasons in 30 years. And the Cardinals have five losing seasons in 30 years. And and keep in mind, all of those, like four of those five were before the turn of the century. Since the year 2000, the Cardinals have had one losing season. Now, you might not think that that matters. You might think, oh, championships are what matter. And you know what? Championships are what ultimately matters. But consistency of quality of the product is what draws fans, not random pop-up years or two or three pop-up years in a row. But year after year, Cardinals Nation knows they can comfortably buy their tickets to see their team coming into the year to plan their trips to come from Arkansas and Mississippi and Iowa and all these places and not waste their time and money because they know that they're going to get at least a good team, if not an excellent team. And with Pittsburgh, truth is you're mostly going to expect a crappy team because for a lot of these years that we're talking about, they're not just losing seasons. They're losing seasons. I mean, you know, they're not losing a hundred plus games on the regular, but how, you know how many years going using this same time frame? How many times the Pirates have lost ninety plus games in a year since the year two thousand? It's crazy. Two thousand, two thousand one, two thousand five, two thousand six, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, two thousand ten, two thousand eleven. Then again in 2019, and then again in 2021. Those are all their 90 plus loss seasons in the last, I mean, since the turn of the century, since 2000. So the reason I bring all of this up one, 
the the difference between Pittsburgh and St. Louis shouldn't be as big as it is when it comes to competitiveness. Pittsburgh has access to almost as many resources in terms of potential fan base as the Cardinals do. But if you don't have success, and if you aren't willing to spend on your team at least a little bit, well, then your customers are just going to tune you out. And when that happens, then you don't have the extra revenue. See, the difference between the Cardinals and the Pirates in terms of revenue is largely attendance. Well, of course, because it's a good, it's a winning, it's a winning organization. And you look at a situation like Pittsburgh. You know, their payroll this year, I think, is going to end up being $48 million. I think that's what it's going to be, $48 million, if I remember correctly. Forty-five. It's that the estimate is forty-five according to fan graphs. Okay, so let me let me do the, the quick math for you guys so you can understand just how big of a scam this is. So the Pirates make over $40 million in their local TV deal. Every team gets $60 million from the national TV deals. The Pirates also get revenue sharing money. Which is around, if, I, if I'm understanding the reporting correctly, 35 to $40 million a year. So the Pirates, before they ever sell a ticket, have $140 million in revenue with a $45 million payroll. That's before any corporate sponsorship. That's before any share of licensing from merchandise and apparel, which teams share, by the way. It's before a ticket is sold. So let's go, let's be generous with this. And let's say that the Pirates, you know, because people can look at, you can look at what the average expenditure is per person at a Major League Baseball game. It's typically around 50 bucks per person per game. Can be more, can be less, depends on your, but you, you, let's, let's assume though, let's go even lower. Let's say it's $30 a game to go to a Pirates game per person. Tickets, food, parking. I know that's cheap, by the way, and I'm estimating on the low side on purpose. Let's say that's $30. Well, they drew 1.5 million fans in 2019, the last full season we had. So there's another $45 million, not counting parking or anything else. So you're at $180, $185 million in revenue, and your payroll is $45 million. Where is all of it going? Well, it's going to the owner. So he's getting, he's all, Bob Nutting is a billionaire and he's taking that money and rather than making his product better, rather than investing in it and giving his customers a reason to come out and spend more money, he puts it in his pocket. You can complain all you want about whether the Cardinals go far enough sometimes, like, you know, if they have a chance to go over the top or whatever. But you can't question that they're not a top 10 payroll just about every year. And what Pittsburgh is doing is just, it's it's bad for the sport. It's bad for them. And it should remind all of us how good it's been here for, for a really long time. I mean, if you're, if you're under 40, you don't know the Cardinals struggling. You think that struggling is an 88 or 89 win season. That's what you think struggling is if you're if you're 40 years old or younger in this area. All right, we'll close out on a little more baseball next on KMOX. 
few minutes left. We'll get you ready for what's coming up this weekend. Cardinals and Pirates nowhere near done with their matchups. Of course, they'll be going at it again tomorrow. Nothing today, but uh, we've got you the next couple of days on the weekend. And, of course, uh, on Monday they'll play again as well. So this will be a four-game series to start the season. Uh, tomorrow, 1-15 first pitch. It'll be Miles Michaelis against uh, Mitch Keller. And, uh, again, another pitching advantage. Cardinals, Keller's got great stuff, but obviously hasn't had a whole lot of success um, keeping things under control. On Sunday, Steven Matz is going to make his Cardinals debut. He'll be going up against Bryce Wilson. Uh, Wilson's a young guy who actually has some has some ability. Um, he's 24. He came up, I believe, he came up in the Braves system and was traded to the Pirates and hasn't really had a, a long run of major league games. Uh, like he only appeared in eight games last year, eight games the year before. But he is an interesting guy, and you know he he might be kind of funny. He's a sinker baller. Um, on on Monday again, one fifteen for all three of these games. Monday you got Dakota Hudson uh, against another young guy, shocking, uh, in Zach Thompson. And actually, Thompson's not that young. He's twenty eight, but Zach Thompson is a, is a big dude, six seven, two hundred thirty pounds. Um, he was pretty good last year for the Pirates. Um, had a three twenty four ERA. Uh, actually, no, he wasn't with the Pirates last year. Zach Thompson was with the Marlins last year, uh, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he was. And he, you know, he, he split the year between pitching in relief and pitching as a starter and had a 324 ERA in 75 innings. Um, not a guy that gets a ton of strikeouts, but he will miss some bats. And, you know, again, he's a major league pitcher. I'm not sure he's a major league starter, but we'll see him on Monday. How about this for an interesting matchup? So it could be because the Cardinals take on the Royals next week on Tuesday and Wednesday. How about Jordan Hicks against Zach Grinke? <laughs> you got Grinke, the guy that's going to flip a 66-mile-an-hour curveball up there at some point and whose fastball is more like the fastball of a 15- or 16-year-old pitcher. I'm not even kidding. I mean, he throws 86. and uh, There are a lot of high school pitchers that throw 86. And then you got the other guy, Hicks, who, you know, he's only going to be out there for an inning or two, but he'll be throwing a hundo. Should be fun to see how that plays. And, you know, the Royals are in an interesting spot this year. They're they're probably not going to be really good. Uh, they don't have enough starting pitching, I don't think, to be to be good. Not yet, unless some of their young guys take big steps. They got some interesting offensive players, though. You're going to get to see Bobby Witt Jr. next week. He's the truth, man. Bobby Witt Jr. is really good. Uh, one of the top prospects in baseball, and he's, he's the, the Royals' third baseman at this point. Uh, that'll be fun to see. He's a good player. And then, of course, Adam Wainwright pitches again on Wednesday. So it's what we're looking ahead to. And then on to Milwaukee. And holy crap, that first series in Milwaukee, if the schedule holds, you're getting Bur Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta 1-2-3 and three in that series. So that'll be fun, right? How about a test for the offense right out of the gate up in Milwaukee? All right, that's going to wrap it up for Sports Open Line on a Friday night. You guys have a great weekend. We'll catch you Monday coming out of the Cardinals game here on KMOX.